I wonder if uh, at the end of this service this morning I came up to you and we were we were just talking and, and sharing stories of the week, sharing a bit of life together. And I just, in that moment, just suddenly stopped and paused and said, would you pray for me? And in that moment, I, I, I stand still, I close my eyes and I put my hands out. What would, you, what would you pray for me? That is, if you haven't noticed, my eyes are shut and just done a quick runner um, because I've put you on the spot a little bit. And what, what might be one thing out of all the possible things on the list that I could be praying for each one of you, for me to be praying? What might be a prayer God would rejoice in us praying to him for each other this week? A prayer that could be really spiritually significant for us as a, as a church community. And it feels like with a setup like that, I need to pull something fairly impressive out of the bag. Unfortunately, I don't have to find anything in a bag. Uh, I just need to turn to what God has given to us. Uh, Paul, in uh, the beginning of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians is full of uh, incredible prayers. Uh, and he writes, he writes this, I pray. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Another translation, the New uh, Living Translation, puts it like this. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. A great prayer. Pray that for me this week. I'll pray it for you. Let's pray it for one another. How do the eyes of our hearts get flooded with light? Well, just, just think back. Um, what are you about? Less than a month? Less than a month ago? Yeah, less than a month ago. End of October, the light party. What the message we were seeking to get out to children and their families, their households. That Jesus is the light of the world. Think ahead. A couple of weeks' time we'll be having carol services and you know the Bible reading of every carol service that stands out, isn't it? It's the beginning of John. You know, the light shines in the darkness. The eyes of our hearts get flooded with light when we know deeply, walk closely, trust fully Jesus, the one who wonderfully turned to his friends and said, I am the light of the world. Pray that the eyes of our hearts will be flooded with light. It's, it's a great prayer for us to be praying, for you to be praying for me, for me to be praying for you, for us to be praying for one another, because of what we've just heard at the start of 2 Peter. We pray for the eyes of hearts to be flooded with light because there's a, there's a real danger. I wonder if you, you spotted it. It's in, it's in verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 1. A real danger of becoming short-sighted and blind and forgetting you've been cleansed from your past sins. As I look out, I note that many people here are wearing glasses. You know what it is not to be clear-sighted. For some of you, um, that's just a slight thing. For others, it's, it's much more serious and, and much more scary. But I think I can probably say with confidence, for, for all of us, as we get older, our eyesight gets poorer. We become less clear-sighted. And if that's physically true, I wonder if it's also spiritually true. The danger after you've been a Christian for a number of years is you become less clear-sighted on Jesus. It's, 
it just becomes all so familiar. And so just Jesus fades. And perhaps in 2 Peter, we're finding Simon Peter, who's a servant and apostle of Jesus, and he's senior in years. He knows, that we hear later on, that he's not got much time left. He's, he's writing to refresh younger Christians so that they might remain clear-sighted on Jesus as they go on in their years. But it comes with a real sense of urgency, uh, not just because they're getting older and that danger, but because of uh, the impact teach, the teaching and lifestyles of some false teachers was having among them. False teachers whose message and way of life was essentially declaring that, well, Jesus isn't coming back. He's not going to return. All this talk of him returning in glory to judge, well, that's nonsense. Everything that's, gonna be, that's been done laid bare, no, that's not going to happen. New heavens and a new earth, no. And as this message went out, as their lifestyles were experienced, if you like, it was closing the eyes of the hearts of, of God's people. Closing their eyes to the light of Jesus. The light of Jesus into people's hearts was being dimmed right down. The floodlights are being switched off. Until only darkness is left. And so this morning, uh, perhaps you're here and you're just feeling like your sight of Jesus isn't as clear as it could be. Maybe it's just Jesus has faded a little bit. Or whether Jesus is dimming down for you. Or whether you're just here trying to catch sight. Maybe for the first time of Jesus. My prayer for us is that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. May be enlightened by these opening verses of 2 Peter. That we might be clear-sighted on Jesus. And the precious faith we have in him. And the precious promises that fuel life following Jesus in the here and now as we wait for his return. So the first thing we want to see in 2 Peter 1, this is sort of first half of 2 Peter 1, is the precious faith Peter talks about. Precious faith. Uh, listen again uh, how Peter describes those Christians he's writing to in verse 1. To those who through the righteousness of God and uh, through, let's try again. To those who through the righteousness of God, uh, our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. You see, faith in Jesus for the Christian is, is not an optional side dish that comes, if we want it, with the main course of life. No, no, Jesus is far too precious for that. You notice how Peter describes himself as being a servant, as one who completely belongs to Jesus. His whole identity has been transformed to Jesus. He was known as Simon, and when he encounters Jesus, he becomes known as Peter. He's one who's called to be an apostle, one of Jesus' sent ones, to carry the authority of Jesus. And the faith that in Jesus that Peter has is the same faith in Jesus, you and I have or can have. A faith that is just as precious. A faith that transforms who we are and what we do. Faith in Jesus is precious because it's a gift. It was a gift to Peter as it is a gift to us. You hear the language, it's something we receive. We receive from God, not because of our goodness, but because of his goodness, because of his righteousness. On Friday evening, 
Um, before our youth group, we've been running a course called CY, which is a Youth Christianity Explore course. Just going through the Gospel of Mark uh, with uh, 12 to 14 uh, young people to discover who Jesus is, why he matters, what does it look like to follow him. And on Friday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, we were, uh, we were in the memorial hall. And we were thinking about why is it that God can accept us? Why does God accept me? Why can God accept you? Any answer that starts because I tells us we've got it completely wrong. We can only answer that question because Jesus. Because Jesus was the sinless and is the sinless saviour who died for me in my place. That God in all his goodness, in his righteousness, looks at Jesus on the cross and forgives me, forgives you, sets me, sets you free. Think of those words we often hear at communion. Draw near with faith and receive. We come to Jesus with with empty hands, ready to receive. Uh, Faith in Jesus is precious because it's a gift. And it's a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, It is because of knowing Jesus that in verse 2, grace and peace can be yours in abundance. We get to experience the never-ending, far-reaching grace of God, the loving kindness of God in our lives. Even at our worst moments, when we deserve it the least. We can have God's peace, even in the chaos of the world that we live in, and the chaos of the lives, our lives that we so often experience. We get to experience that grace and peace in abundance until uh, that day described in verse 11. Uh, in which you will receive, remember, it's a gift, it's not anything we've done. You will receive a rich welcome, not just a welcome, a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Another way Paul describes this is in verse 4. In terms, I guess, we, we possibly don't often think in, that we get to participate in the divine nature. It's a kind of phrase you feel needs a bit of unpacking, right? What does it mean to participate in the the divine nature? Well, that that moment your faith is in Jesus, God's Holy Spirit moves into your life, dwells in you. No longer is the driving force in your life your natural self, your natural sinful self, but becomes uh, your Holy Spirit-shaped self. Through Jesus, God has opened up his life to us. We are made part of the family of God. We come to know God as Father. Jesus is our true older brother who shares everything that is his with us. And with the Holy Spirit powering our lives. And the reality of eternity is experience this completely and fully and perfectly. See, faith in Jesus is precious. It's precious faith because Jesus is precious. Jesus precious to you this morning. Let's be clear-sighted on him. And as we're clear-sighted on him, we're given precious faith. And we're given precious promises to fuel life following him. If we're clear-sighted on Jesus, we're given precious faith, but we also get precious promises 
that are like rocket fuel for the Christian life. You see, we have everything we need, not simply to just wait around with our heads down going, come on, Jesus, when are you coming back? Instead, we, we are given everything we need to grow in the family likeness of the family we now belong to. It happens, doesn't it? Um, a couple of scenes into most of the spy films. Think of James Bond. A couple of scenes into the film, our hero, the hero is being shown. And sort of on the table is the range of gadgets he's going to need. And the car with the ejector seat and the oil that splats out and the rockets that get fired out. And if you, if you spend any time just noticing what all the gadgets can do, you basically piece together everything that's going to happen in the film. Because our hero, of course, is given everything he needs for the mission. How much more, as God's people, are we given everything that we need for what's in front of us? Listen again, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us by his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You and I have everything we need to live for Jesus. To live a godly life. To grow in the family likeness of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit, God's power in our lives. The Holy Spirit delights to give us clear sight of Jesus. And so that we can hold on to the precious promises he gives to us. It's what fuels our life for growing in the family likeness. We need fuel for it because it takes effort. Listen to to verse 5 again. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. That we might do what is good. And to goodness, knowledge. That we live life wisely. And to knowledge, self-control. Not driven by the impulses of I want, I must have. And to self-control, perseverance. That ability to keep going under pressure. Uh, To perseverance, godliness. Going God's way in every part of life. And to godliness, mutual affection for, for our life together. As followers of Jesus. And to mutual affection, love that self-giving for the good of others. And we hear a list like that. Maybe it's tempting to think, well, I've got to start at the beginning, get that one sorted, move on to the next one. This is not, though, a ladder that we climb up. This is a Jesus-shaped life to live out. In our lives, we put effort into the things that we think really matter. It's why we revise for exams. It's why we spend extra hours uh, at work. Think about climbing a mountain, learning to play a musical instrument, playing a support, friendship, even having a pet. You make the effort for the things you think are important. How much more important and precious is Jesus? Make every effort to become like him. You have everything you need through the precious promises of Jesus. We go after knowledge. We we seek to live wisely because Jesus has promised that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the streams rise, the winds blow, beat against the house, and yet it did not fall. We go and make every effort to persevere. Because we hear 
words Jesus spoke to Peter himself. He said, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. We're told Jesus is praying for us now. What a great promise to help us keep going. It's the precious promises of Jesus that power us as we make every effort. For if you possess these qualities, these characteristics in increasing measure, verse 8, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The mark of somebody who is clear-sighted on Jesus, who has precious faith, has Jesus' precious promises, it's not that they are the best in these areas. Let's be honest, we can look outside the church, look outside of ourselves and find people who don't know Jesus, who live some of these things out far better than we ever will. The mark of somebody who's clear-sighted in Jesus is they are continuing to grow in these things. And note that growth can look different for us. A new Christian will grow at a phenomenal rate like a baby does. baby just doesn't stop growing. Someone who's been a Christian for a little while Maybe grows in spurts. Just think of how teenagers grow. One day they're this big, next day they're that big. And when we get a bit older in life, our growth looks different again. It's more about a sort of consolidating and a strengthening. So if you've been a Christian for a number of years, perhaps that's what growth is going to look like for you. And just as plants, in order to grow, need light, so followers of Jesus, in order to grow, need light. We need the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened, to be flooded with light, so that we may have clear sight of Jesus, knowing the precious faith he's given us, the precious promises he's given us. Will you pray for the eyes of our hearts to be flooded with light this week? He's given us everything we need for a godly life, through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. Let's pray. praise uh, for the Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great, incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen.